Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Good evening, everybody. It's time to pray. Let's pray. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that we have received in you. We thank you for your love that has been lavished on us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege to be called sons and daughters. Thank you for the assurance of salvation in the person of the Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather together to learn, to study, and grow in your word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because as the word is taught, the eyes of our understanding is enlightened. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because there is strength as we study. We're equipped as we study. Thank you, Father, our convictions are strengthened in the name of Jesus. We give glory to the facilitator who is going to be preaching. We pray for utterance and pray in the name of Jesus as he teaches. He teaches with simplicity, accuracy, and precision. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. It is time to get into the major thing for tonight or today for some people, and that is pneumatology, the study of the spirit. And I will be taking us on this journey tonight, revealing mysteries, etc., etc., etc. I don't have the energy to be dramatic today. <laughs> Okay, so uh, before we get into this, I would like to ask a question first, just you know, to start us off. Put it in the chat. Who is the Holy Spirit according to your understanding of scripture and everything, what you've been taught? Who is the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, sharp, 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 type, 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 type. Keyboard warriors. Ayolua <laughs> said, Ugo said third party of third part of the Trinity. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Sorry. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Somebody had one long text. Let me see if I can still find it. Yeah, he's at God and the Christian's advocate on it. O'Shea effect killing us. Daniel Baden says lives inside me. We said who, not what does he do? <laughs> The Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit is acting force of God, promise of Jesus. Ernest, I don't think we need to teach tonight. Like, honestly, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> well, yes, um, I'm loving the answer so far. Koji says the assurance of our salvation. Honestly, I don't think I need to teach anything tonight. <laughs> Let's just pray and then, you know, have BMG after party. But yes, I love the answer so far. You guys are correct. He's, he's God, he's the spirit of God, acting force of God, third person of the Trinity. He's the assurance of our salvation. He's the promise of Jesus to the believer. He's all of these things. And as we'll see, going through various scriptures tonight, we'll get more understanding of what all of these things mean and what or who the Holy Spirit is to us. What does he represent? What's his ministry to us? And just a caveat, tonight is sort of an introduction to these things, so we might not be going so in-depth into many of the concepts that have been mentioned tonight, but we'll gain a rough understanding of the Holy Spirit, majorly who he is, that he's a person, and that he is for the believer. So with all of that said, 
let us have a short prayer. Let's go about our heads. Father Lord, we thank you for we are gathered here today to study through your word, to learn of your Holy Spirit, the promise and assurance of salvation unto the believer. And Lord God, I pray that as we finish up this study tonight, that we shall, we shall have a profound understanding of who your spirit is, of how we should relate to your spirit and what is his ministry, what it does for us and how we can commune and have fellowship with your spirit. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Okay, let's begin. Yeah, okay, so pneumatology. We, over the past two Sundays, we have had... Um, Shaitan um, teaches us on Christology, the study of the Christ. Ife has taught us on Ecclesiology, the study of the church. And tonight we are looking at what binds those two together. Pneumatology, the spirits. Pneuma means spirits. Pneuma means spirits, right? In the Old Testament, you know, there's a word that was used for spirits. Um, is, is the word ruach. Right, is the word ruach, it means spirit, but it also probably means wind. So, whenever they were going to refer to the spirit, sometimes they use the word ruach, meaning wind or spirit. And let's examine a couple of metaphors that have been used for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You know, metaphors, metaphors are words that we use to represent something, sort of a, a comparison, right? So, the first metaphor that I want us to look at is. Wind, wind. So let's read Genesis 2-7. And let's can we have that up? Um, the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, preferably in New King James Version. Because yes, thank you very much. Now there were the sons of David. Uh, no, that's not it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. And the Lord God formed man the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Breath, ruach, wind, right? Like I said before. So when God created man, he breathed life into us. We, that is the spirit. Let's look at the second metaphor, fire. The second metaphor, fire. Let's have. Let's open on to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Let's open to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Yeah, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, they see how it's connected. Fire. The third metaphor is water. The third metaphor is water. And water is seen as something to cleanse, something to purify, right? Let's look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 and 27. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 and 27. Okay, so 25 says, then I will sprinkle water on you, sorry, sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And we know this is one of the things that salvation does for us. It cleanses us, it purifies us. Like 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. See how that connects. It says he will cleanse us. 
if we pour water upon us, if we have us cleansed, and then that will put the spirit in within us, right? Now, the next one is dove, which I think many of us will know this one, especially within members. <laughs> Don't mind me. Dove. And where we mostly see this one is in the book of John 1, 32 to 33, where Jesus Christ got baptized by John the Baptist. And after his baptism, you know, he says that the heavens opened up and then the voice of God came down. And then we saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, right? And here's the funny thing to note about this. This is the only time that we see an animate metaphor being used for the Holy Spirit. We've looked at wind, we looked at fire, looked at water, but they are inanimate objects, right? Now, let's look at the remaining ones. Because of time, I'll just breeze through it. The remaining metaphors to look at is seal. And then you have pledge. Now, a seal is something you stamp as approval, right? And then pledge is something that you, is like when you go to the bank, you borrow something, and then you have like a down payment. That's your pledge, like a promise, an assurance, right? So now, we've looked at all these things. We've seen metaphors for the Holy Spirit, most of them inanimate but how do they connect to the person of the spirit? Like how, how do we know that, okay, the Holy Spirit is not just some force. He is a who, a who that is to be respected, a who that is to be worshipped, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. And this is going to be awesome, by the way. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. And... That says, but Peter said, sorry, uh, I think my network is making, okay, let me just read it for my part here. It says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and kept back part of the price of the land for yourself? While you remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you received this thing? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, this is really, really, I don't know. For me, this was really relieving because many times we get thought that the Holy Spirit is a force, you know, a wind. I remember when I was in teens church, you know, before the enlightenment, hallelujah. (laughs) I was in teens church and then, I remember we were praying at a particular time, and then all of a sudden, from nowhere, there was this large gust of wind. It was an iron door, so the thing just opened by. It was like, ah! And then <laughs> the person who was leading us in prayer said, yes, you see, the Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has arrived, right? <laughs> and it sounds really, really funny now, but back then, every single one of us, we closed our eyes, we are like, yes. Yes, we can feel the spirit now. The spirit has arrived. <laughs> I laugh now, but many people still hold that belief. But here we see Peter talking to Ananias and he equates the Holy Spirit to being God. So first things first, if anybody wants to say, oh, the Holy Spirit is more inanimate for us, this like blows it out of the park. And then, you know, you look at the metaphors and you're like, eh, but the Holy Spirit is referred to as water, this and that. But let's not forget that Jesus too was referred to with inanimate metaphors. You have him being referred to as the way, the truth, the life, you know, the narrow door, the vineyard. These are inanimate metaphors. And Jesus Christ, we know to be a living being. He himself referred to him. 
himself as those metaphors while he was alive talking to people. So we can't say, oh, because inanimate metaphors were used for the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean that he's a person, right? Okay, now that we have covered that part, I want us to look at a couple more things. Let's look at John 16. John 16, 12 to 15. And this is Jesus Christ talking to his disciples. We are nearing the point where Jesus Christ is going to be crucified, right? And then he's talking to, the, to his disciples, giving some preliminary instructions before his um, crucifixion. So it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Next verse. However, when he, focus on these things now. When he, the spirit of the truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he, can you see how Jesus Christ is referring to the Holy Spirit? He keeps saying he, he keeps using the third masculine third pronoun, you know, for, for the Holy Spirit, referring to him as he. And it doesn't, it's not just the pronouns, it's how he refers to the Holy Spirit. He says, he will guide you, he will speak, you know, he will hear. These are not things that a force, one mindless force hanging around in the cosmos somewhere can do. This is only something that a living being will do. He says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, I want somebody to explain how can a table glorify God? This is just a rough, you know, rough. Like, how can it say we glorify God? How can something inanimate recognize the glory of God and glorify him, right? This speaks of somebody that is living and not just living, but has a personhood, has a personality. Lastly, I want us to look at, <coughs> sorry. I want us to look at John, sorry, Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19. And this was Jesus Christ giving an instruction unto his disciples to go forth into the world and make disciples of all nations. But then see how he says, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know God is God. We know God is eternal. We know God is all powerful. We know that God has no equals. We know Jesus is God in the sense of the Trinity. Now, it would not make sense, neither will it be non-blasphemous, to put another name equal to the name of God. Imagine if, if it was Apostle Paul that said, you know, baptizing, baptizing in the name of God, the Father, God, the Son, and in the name of Paul. That's blasphemy. Is, in other words, we are equating the authority of the name of Paul to God there. But then here he says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That, these are the names in which we are baptized into. We are baptized into the Father, into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. And that right there speaks of equality with God. We saw this in Acts also when Peter was talking to Ananias and he equates the Holy Spirit to God. God is a personal being. If he is a personal being, his spirit is a personal being. If we say the Holy Spirit is God, then he has to share attributes with God. So now let's look at those attributes. Let's rush over and look at those attributes. Now the first attribute is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. We're going to, we are going to be opening our Bibles a lot today, people. I hope you are ready. In fact, at some point, I'm going to be calling some people to read 
all these Bible verses, you know, just to know that it's sinking in. Okay. So, yes. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, can you see that? Eternal spirit. Daniel is not pulling this out of some mystery plane. It's right there in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the eternal spirit. God is eternal. Therefore, a spirit also has to have the attribute of eternity. Let us move on to the second verse. I mean, second attribute. Holy. If I is in the name, Holy Spirit. I, I don't even think we need to open anything for this. If the Holy Spirit is not holy, why do we refer to him as the Holy Spirit? It's just, I don't know. It's like, are we conferring false titles? No, we are not. The Holy Spirit. Omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is ever-present, everywhere. The writer of Psalms, you know, gives a very, very good, should I say, poem concerning this. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 139. The book of Psalms 139, we'll be reading from verse 7 to 10. The book of Psalms 139, from verse 7 to 10. Yes, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I mean, this is first of can we talk? Can we just like recognize how beautiful the book of Psalms is? Like these guys were poor. Oh God, Lord, some of you that are doing spoken words, go and learn work. Oh. Go and read the book of Psalms and learn work. <laughs> you have competition in the scriptures. Hallelujah. But yeah, look at it. It says, where, where can I go? Heaven, you are there. Hell, you are there. Like, <laughs> there is no escape, right? There is no escape. Some of you have felt these feelings before. You know, maybe you had an ex that just will not let you go. So you block them on Instagram, they create a new account. You block their entire family, they create a new WhatsApp account, <laughs> you know, and come for you, right? It's the same. See, the Holy Spirit is more than that. There is nowhere you will go to that you can escape the Holy Spirit. I used to, I had one funny story when I was a teenager. <laughs> it was on Facebook. And this guy said, whenever he wants to fornicate, he, you know, that they will put um, something to cover the ceiling, something to cover the windows and everything so that God will not see them. <laughs> and I'm like, if God is, if, if God is everywhere, the Holy Spirit, if, if we say he's omnipresent everywhere, that means even right there, <laughs> he's going to be there. And then, you know, some of us that grew up in some churches, they will say, you know, God is the, the spirit of God is not in any nightclub. And the question I always ask is, sorry, ma, but aren't we saying he's omnipresent? So is there a barrier around the nightclub that blocks the spirit of God? <laughs> and I'll always get punished <laughs> because that was being troublesome. Yeah, so, okay, let's move on to the next attribute, which is another attribute that the Holy Spirit shares with the divinity of God, which is omniscience omniscience to know all things omniscience omniscience and let's read the book of first corinthians 2 10 to 11 paul describes this very very i think profoundly 
he, he puts it in this way. He, he gives us the example of a man and then says the same with God. He says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And I think every single one of us here can relate. People generally are not mind readers. The only person that knows what you're thinking is you. The only spirit that can know what you're thinking is you, except the spirit of God, obviously. So now the only person who is privy to know the thoughts of God, the mind of God, is the spirit of God. So if God knows all things, that means the spirit knows all things. Hallelujah, somebody. Are you guys are you guys following? If you are, please just give me a thumbs up. Let me see those thumbs up. You know, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. Now, power. <laughs> power. Agbara. Agbara. <laughs> Agbara toja. Agbara. Eh? My reading roots are showing. <laughs> okay. So let's open our Bible to the book of Micah, chapter 3, verse 8. The prophet Micah, you know, speaking in the voice of God. Prophet Micah in this chapter was talking about false prophets. And then God was speaking through him and talking about false prophets, talking about how they cannot hide everything. And then Micah now says, he says, but truly I, the prophet of God, am full of power by the spirit of the Lord. Full of power by the spirit of the Lord. And this is not the only place where we see the spirit being equated with power. You know, we see Jesus Christ when he's baptized, the dove coming down, he says, and he was anointed with power to preach on to preach the kingdom, you know, that kind of thing. We see the, the disciples, the apostles, whenever the Holy Spirit came down, it was with power. Hallelujah. Ahead, Acts 10 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. To do what? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil? For God was with him. Hallelujah. <laughs> power. Hey, I'm getting excited. Okay, let's look at the last attributes. These are not all the attributes, but these are just the ones I want us to focus on. Gifts. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We see this Jesus Christ promising um, the disciples in John 14, John 16, and, and promising them the Holy Spirit. And then we see the actualization of this promise. We see the fulfillment of this promise in Acts and in various parts of the Bible. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 45. Sorry, let's, let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 45. I like that one better. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Those who believed had the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. Amen. Amen. And this should close into something that we're going to be talking about later. Belief, Holy Spirit. You believe in the gospel, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit is given unto you. Then let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5, where it talks about the love of God. And then it talks about that source 
of love to the believer, which is another attribute of the spirit, love. And it says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I'll read that again. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And here we see the Holy Spirit is not just giving us the love of God. He is the source of the love of God within us. The Holy Spirit is the source of all piety. It's the source of our love and our dedication for God. So now seeing all of that, attributes and everything, let's look at how the Holy Spirit has worked over time and is currently working in the believer. In the Holy Spirit, the in, as did I just say in the Holy Spirit? Sorry. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit functioned in one major way, which was to anoint people for the work of God. We see this with the prophets. We see this with the kings, right? But then let's see one or two verses. Yeah, it was creation first off. I, forgot, I almost forgot to mention that. We see Genesis 1, 2, 3 talks about and the face the spirit of God walked over the face of the waters and then everything was better. Then God said, let there be light. And then there was light. The Holy Spirit was the actor. Um, somebody somebody says something about it. I can't remember the word that was used. Uh, let me try. Okay, you know what? Let me know. Let me know about that. So the Holy Spirit is the confirmation of the word of God. He acts upon the word of God, right? And then we also see anointing people, individuals, nations for the work of God. Let's look at two verses and then we'll move on from that. When God wanted Moses to build the tabernacle, obviously Moses was not a carpenter, bricklayer, anything. So he didn't have the skills, right? God appointed somebody for that job. Let's look at Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31 from verse 1 to 3. Exodus chapter 31 from verse 1 to 3. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. And then verse 4 says, to design artistic work, to work in gold and silver, etc., etc., etc. Then verse, verse 7 says, the tabernacle of meeting. Yeah, that they were to construct the tabernacle of meeting, right? So that was what God appointed this person that I just murdered their name. Hopefully they forgive me if they're in heaven. You know, Bezalel. However, that is meant to be pronounced because I mean, you remember, man. Anyway, God appointed this guy and God gave him wisdom wisdom to be a craftsman. Wisdom to be a craftsman that's, that's, that's powerful because most of the time, when we imagine the Holy Spirit anointing somebody, you know, giving a grace onto somebody for something, we usually think it's only things like, you know, for healing ministry, for teaching ministry for seeing vision ministry, for disappearing up and down like a like apostle, you know, for different things. But we never think for also mundane things like building, you know, like singing, right? We never think of all those things. Let's look at the book of Numbers. Yes, the book of Numbers, chapter 11, from verse 16 to 17. The book of Numbers, chapter 11, from verse 16 
to verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk to you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and we put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. I think this is even where the, the, the tradition of choosing judges came from. All right. Moses could not run all of the Israelites affairs by himself. He needed help. He needed to establish some sort of governmental system. And instead of doing democracy, we had the best chooser in the entirety of the universe to choose God. And God said, bring me 70 people and I will anoint them for the position of governors. That's amazing. So it's not just God wasn't just anointing people just for miracle works, you know, flying up and down, disappearing up and down like one prophet Elijah, you know. God wasn't just doing all of that. But was also anointing people for mundane things like, you know, governance, building, all that kind of stuff. But now let's see a little bit of transition. What was the work of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus Christ? Because I think that's really, really important. We know in the Old Testament, it was mostly anointing people. And note, it was temporary. This anointing was temporary. There was no indwelling of the spirits, right? It was it's described as the Holy Spirit to come upon them, but never in them. So it was temporary. That's why in um, the book of Kings, you have it being described. We saw that the Spirit of God left him. Hallelujah. I hope we're catching that. So now let's look at ministry. Now, I want you guys to note this down because it is going to appear in the tests. <laughs> so now the Holy Spirit is responsible for the virgin birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse 8. Matthew chapter 1, verse 8. When the angel Gabriel came unto our dear mother Mary and told her, Maria, Maria, <laughs> you will born Pekin. And Maria was like, sorry. You, you say with anybody, mm? <laughs> I do not have husband and I am a virgin. And all this was like, and the angel was like, yeah, that's all we need. And he says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall name and shall call his name Jesus. Okay, that's Luke 131, Matthew 1, 8. Uh, NS, can I have uh, Matthew, look of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18, sorry, chapter 1, verse 18, <laughs> chapter 1, verse 18, thank you very much, yeah, now the birth of Jesus Christ was follows, after his mother Mary conceived, yeah, sorry, after his mother Mary was betrayed to Jesus before Ah, Jesus, I have missed Yeah, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Right, The Holy Spirit came upon our dear mother. <laughs> our dear mother. Catholics love Mary so much, right? Like, I, I don't know why most of us don't love Mary just as much. You know, we, 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 we are, <laughs> we need to repent. <laughs> okay, that was a joke, which will go too far for some people, so let's let me just quit it here. Yeah, you know, the virgin birth, Mary was found with child, not because, you know, Joseph did the do, right? She was found with child because the Holy Spirit did the do, not physically, not say the Holy Spirit 
<laughs> please <laughs> don't quote me wrong don't misunderstand me <laughs> thank you very much you know but yes the holy spirit allowed mary to conceive of the child without insemination without human sex without without human intervention let me put it that way <laughs> adana said ah <laughs> please again i'm not saying what some people would think I am saying this is spiritual reality. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Don't be like some atheists or some Muslims that will be like, so how did the Holy Spirit, how did God? I'm like, mm -mm. don't do that. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, number two, the Holy Spirit anointed Christ for ministry. The Holy Spirit empowered and anointed Christ for ministry. Uh, let's look at the book of John 1, 32 to 33. This is one that we know very, very much. And I'm going to choose somebody to read this one this time around. And my, my victim already knows herself. Has she, where, where, where is she at? She Adana, are you here? Oh, you I'm here, eh, I was like, just say, don't call my name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Adana, please read for us. John 1, 32 to 33. Okay. To okay. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Lord. Yeah, it's ah, <laughs> like see, signs predated the coming of Jesus Christ, like prophecies rather predated the coming of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist was so very much aware of who he was going to be baptizing, he knew what the signs were going to be. And then we saw these signs because when Jesus Christ was baptized, it says that the heavens opened up. And then I saw the spirit descend upon him like a dove. And the voice of the Lord came out saying, this is my son. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased with. Right? Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. I don't think there's a bigger announcement that you can have for ministry than God just coming out of the, of the sky to just say like, um, <laughs> hello, one, two, one, two, one, two. Yes, uh, this is the one. This is him. No need to doubt, finish, you know. Like, I don't think you need any other announcements. You don't need any other marketing strategy. All you need is to just have your smartphone out, you know, do video at that time where the dove is descending and just put it on, on Instagram and your ministry will blow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so jokes aside, yes, we saw the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus Christ for ministry. Uh, let's open our Bible to... Another place that I want us to focus on, that is going to be the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 21. The book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 21. Chap, 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 chap. Okay, let me see what's going on in the charts. Uh, Florence says, but joking or not, we need to love and recognize Mary more though. Yes, yes, I agree that we do. You know, um, somebody who willingly upfront without question just you know gave herself to the ministry of the holy spirit for god to use her to bring the savior into the world but like if it says we can do this without overemphasizing over it praying in the name of mary and all of that but anyway let us 
move on. So Luke 4, 18, yes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus Christ reading from the scrolls, by the way. Uh, he says, but the spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, please. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then verse 20 and 21 to wrap it up. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Hallelujah. And what did he say? Jesus likes to blow minds. <laughs> Jesus likes to blow. Jesus just said, just, like, I can imagine Jesus Christ wearing a three-piece suit, you know, like he just came off, he sat down, you know, and then he just unbuttoned, sat down, crossed leg, and then he just said in a really loud voice, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hey, Katabaya. Oh, like, Jesus Christ was the man, right? I, I don't know. I think nowadays, most of us would be so afraid to say things like this. You know, you go somewhere and then you know when you say things like this, people will stone you. But then Jesus Christ was just like, yep. <laughs> That's it. This scripture is fulfilled, right? Because he was the fulfillment of scripture. He was here to preach salvation. He was here to preach the kingdom. Other things that we see the Holy Spirit enabling Christ to do in his ministry was miracles. Jesus Christ did miracles by the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38, you read this before, where uh, it says that, and he did, he performed miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. Even in Matthew 12, 28, where Jesus Christ was approached by a bunch of people, and then he was accused of casting out demons in the name of the devil, right? And then Jesus rebuked them. He was like, how can I be casting out demons in the name of the devil? Doesn't that make the devil against his own house? Let's have Matthew 12, 28, where he affirms that, yes, he does do all these miracles and the casting out of devils by the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12, 28 says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. This wasn't an if. This was a, I cast out demons by the spirit of God. Baba was confident, right? And it is in that confidence that he continued his ministry. But then what happens or what has happened when Jesus Christ died, he was resurrected for adjudication and he has ascended, right? What happened? He told his disciples, it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit may come. It is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit may come. I think we find that in John 16. Yes, thank you very much. And it says, nevertheless, I tell the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And then next verse, please. Um, verse, eight, verse 8 and 9 together, if possible. But thank you very much. You have even you have even gone past. <laughs> yeah, it's fine here. It's fine here. Thank you very much, Ennis. It's fine here. John 16, 13 to 14. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. We see that the Holy Spirit was going to be continuing the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ on earth after his ascension to heaven. 
Hallelujah. Now, here is um, a disclaimer. This verse wasn't, is not a general thing. Jesus wasn't talking to, should I say, the public. Jesus was speaking specifically to his disciples because they were the only ones who were there when Jesus Christ was saying this. We were not there. Jesus Christ was speaking directly to his disciples. So when he says that the Spirit will, you know, should guide them into all truth, he was talking to the disciples. And so the Holy Spirit taught the disciples who now became the apostles, including Paul. He taught them the word of God. He revealed unto them the mysteries of the scriptures. We, they taught the believers, and then we've had that message passed down over the century unto us. Hallelujah. So now let's speak about what the Holy Spirit does to and in the believer. What the Holy Spirit does to and in the believer. We call this the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you know, unto the believer. Divine revelation. Now, we read before where it says that, you know, nobody knows the mind of God. Nobody knows the mind of a man except the spirit of the man. Same with God. Nobody knows the mind of God except the spirit of God, right? Let's see how that pertains to us. First Corinthians chapter 2, 9 to 13. First Corinthians chapter 2, 9 to 13. I hope you guys have following. If you have any questions, remember to put them in the chat or send it privately to Ernest or Treasure, and then we'll be addressing them at the end of the teaching, which is not going to be so long for now. Yes, but it is written, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed those things to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of, sorry, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, um, burden, and then we get to, even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And then when we teach these things, the Holy Spirit teaches also comparing spiritual things with spiritual things allowing us to understand this thing. So we see divine revelation, not just in revealing the scriptures unto the apostles, but also ha having us understand these things. Remember when Jesus Christ was speaking to his disciples and he says, I have so much to teach you, but you can't bear them now. That was because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. But when you have the Holy Spirit... This thing, spiritual truth, the Bible says that the wisdom of God is like foolishness unto the carnal man. The reason why it's not foolishness unto us, the reason why I'm reading these things out to you from the Bible, talking about these things, and your understanding, and you can accept this is the work of the Holy Spirit within you. Hallelujah. Next, he testifies of and glorifies Christ. We read this before in John 16, where Jesus Christ said, he will not speak of himself, whatever he hears he will, from me, he will speak unto you, and then he will glorify me. Next one, truth, comfort, and counsel. Also, when Jesus, we see this in the promise Jesus Christ was given to the disciples, where it was like, I will not leave you without the comforter. I will not leave you often, right? The Holy Spirit is going to come to us. He's going to be our comforter. He's going to be our counsel. He's going to be our guide into truth. And now, how does this work for us believers? Because I left that disclaimer the other time that Jesus Christ was talking directly to the disciples, right? For us, by extension, when we study the word of God, 
the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that we've studied. He helps us understand the things in scripture and he reminds, of, reminds us of the things that we have studied. So now I know some of us, we've been through the cycle or we have exam and then we go to John 16, you know, it shall guide me to all truths and remind me of all things. And it's like, sorry, <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't really, it doesn't really help people cheat in exams. Thank you very much. It will help you. It will give you the diligence to study, but <laughs> before somebody gets triggered, let's move on. Inspiration of scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. This is something that every single one of us here should know. I think because we've read this verse a lot of times in BMG. If I read this verse last Sunday, you know, something along those lines. said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, by inspiration of God. So all scripture that we have, now we treated this sometime last year, but let me just leave this thing for those who are new. When we say all scripture, we don't mean every single thing in the Bible. We mean those ones that, you know, the prophecies, those ones that were inspired by God. So in the Bible, you have different speeches. You have the speech of God. You have places where it says the devil speaks. And then you have the places where just ordinary people are saying whatever ordinary people say, right? So I just wanted to leave that disclaimer there. Next one. <laughs> next ministry of the spirit unto the believer. Uh, sorry, the next slide. Yes. Inspiration of scripture, then regeneration. Regeneration and baptism and indwelling of the believer. Uh, John, in John 3, 5 to 7, Jesus Christ was talking to Cornelius. And then Cornelius was like, yo, how exactly can somebody be born again? And then Jesus, Jesus Christ was like, fam, I got the answer for you. He was like, except if a man is born again by water. You know, wait, Cornelius says something funny. He says, she will enter our mother's room Meaning and then like, come back like, outside Nicodemus? Is it? Oh, sorry, Nicodemus. <laughs> ah, flop of life. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nicodemus. I don't know why I had Cornelius in my head. Yes, okay. Nicodemus was like, she will enter her mother's womb. And Jesus Christ was like, no, it was like, except if somebody is reborn again by water, which is the spirit, right? It says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That is regeneration, to be born Again, that is regeneration. And then let's switch over now to Romans 8, 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, where we see what that regeneration does to a believer. What that regeneration does to a believer. Romans 8, 9. And I read, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So in other words, the mark of a believer is the indwelling of the spirit of God. So that effect of regeneration is the indwelling of the spirit of God in the believer. And so from there, we now have the assurance of salvation, which I would like us to look at the book of Acts chapter 5, verse 32. As we wrap things up, Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit glorifies God. The Holy Spirit is a witness of salvation. And then we see also one of the metaphors that was used for the Holy Spirit is seal and pledge, right? 
And we see that in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, where it describes the Holy Spirit as a seal, that as a seal, we are sealed unto the inheritance. Hallelujah. Sealed, unto, sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Can you see that? We see seal and we see pledge. We see the seal and we see the pledge. He, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and then he is also the guarantee, the pledge of our inheritance. So in that, through the Holy Spirit is where we have assurance of our salvation. I'm clapping like a black American. I learned this from Ugo. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit is the assurance of our salvation. How? Because he seals us into Christ. He seals, he is the seal of adoption for us. Hallelujah. The seal of adoption for us. And then from the Holy Spirit also, we have things like spiritual gifts. We have spiritual gifts. And then we have enablement of spiritual living. Enablement of spiritual living. In other words, what we call um, fruits, which I would like to focus on lastly as I close. So let's, can we have Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 24? Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 24. Because I want to make an emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit here concerning the baptism of the Spirit, uh, rather fullness of the Spirit. But the Spirit of but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such as in such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Hallelujah. With this passion and desires, we see the Holy Spirit is the regenerative factor for the believer. He's what makes us born again, what makes us renewed, right? And in that renewal, he indwells us. And through the working of his indwelling, we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and all these things. Now, we also have the gift of the Spirit, you know, which the Holy Spirit dispenses according to how he wants, according to how he views, which we see in 1 Corinthians 14. But the fruit of the Spirit is general for everybody. There are no restrictions upon who the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be for. None at all. Which speaks of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, because if the Holy Spirit indwells us, then we are supposed to be living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the working of Christ in the one who believes, where the Holy Spirit comes upon us at the moment of belief. And then we have the fullness of the Spirit, which is when we are walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Because of time, I can't go through the rest. So I would just like to end it. Um, the next slide, please. We have the next one. Yes, I would just like to end it on the fullness of the Spirit. You know, to be full of the Spirit is our spirituality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 3, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. And then he calls them carnal. He says they are doing so many spiritual things. They are doing so many charismatic workings here, dashing here. You are throwing handkerchief. People are falling down under the Holy Ghost. But then you people are committing adulterous acts. You people lie against each other, all these kind of things. So he says you are not spiritual. Right? So which means spirituality is not just about charismatic gifts. It's about walking in the spirit. It is evidenced by the fruit of the spirit. Ernest, can we have Galatians chapter 5, 24 to 25? Galatians chapter 5, 24 to 25. Yeah, and it says, 
no, 24 to 25. Yes. And it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and, desire, and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. See how he does that. He talks about, he first talks about what the, what the fruit of the flesh is. Then he talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace. And then he says, those of us who are in Christ, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So now by the law of pretext, you know, context, what does it mean by walk by the Spirit? In other words, walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So if one of the marks of a Spirit-filled Christian isn't just that when he lays his hand on somebody, the person gets healed or, you know, the person has some divine power work upon him. It is that we see the fruit of the Spirit expressed in the daily living of the believer. And then just to round up, why some Christians don't bear fruit? Sometimes, for some, is a lack of commitment. For some, is self-reliance. You know, and lack of commitment, I'll just roughly explain it this way. It's not being sold out, not being devoted to God, not being devoted to worship, his devotion, his glorification, you know, the spreading of the word, to acting upon his will, right? And self-reliance is like trying to just do it yourself. You know, it's legalism. You are doing things, oh, you think, oh, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you know, then you will be able to bring about that regenerative change that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be working in you. But no, the Christian life is about being, not doing. It's about being in Christ, being in the Spirit, walking in the fullness of the Spirit, which births the fruits, right? It's just like how James said, Show me, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith through my works, right? So we don't work because we want to have faith. We don't work because, you know, we want to bear fruit. We work because the Holy Spirit is within us, bearing out this fruit, working our salvation in us and through us. And so that brings me to the end of my teaching tonight. Questions, 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 questions. You know, I think I think the final we should have this on the t-shirt. We are still going to make BMG t-shirt manufacturing facility where we just have you know various quotes on t-shirt like this one, being begets doing. Ah, eh, ah, the spit wisdom. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, I'm done feeling myself. <laughs> Thank you so very much, guys. That's that's all I have. Thank you, Daniel. Wow. Awesome teaching. Thank you very, very much. You guys, can we just unmute ourselves and say thank you to Daniel? Thank you, was... Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Let me tell you something that you guys don't know. The notes are still longer than this. And I told him when he was preparing, I was like, guy, this thing is not going to enter your time. <laughs> so what he did was a miracle. The way he rushed through it and still delivered it excellently. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much. This series has just been beautiful. What do you guys think? If you've been with us from the beginning, it's just been amazing. Starting, yeah, I'm going to make sure the slides are available. I think they're so beautiful and I'll make sure they're available. There'll also be um, an upload of this on the podcast. By the way, Daniel is the one that handles all our podcasts and all our recordings and all of that. So um, thank, give it up for him, by the way. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um yeah, so I, I want you guys to not see this as a lecture, all right? I know it's looking like that. I know it's following that pattern. 
you know, we start with Christology. It's like, okay, are we doing theology or are we in seminary or something? And then we moved to ecclesiology, learning about the church. They were like, okay, this is school. This is really school. And then today we have so many texts to look through and all of this. And I'll tell you something. As stringent and um, didactic as these things are, they are very relevant. Like they are very important to your spiritual growth. This is what the apostles were teaching. Uh, do you realize this? Like it's not like you're saying point one, the Holy Spirit is this, point two, you know, no. But the fact that they brought the scriptures and explained the things that were hidden, it, it's, a, it's a big deal that you guys know that the Holy Spirit is not a force. Because in the Old Testament, that was the language we saw every time. Did, did you notice? Everywhere, you know, he was not in the, he was not in the wind, he was not in the earthquake. Every, they were trying to perceive spiritual realities. But we have the revelation now. We can know this is the Holy Spirit. We can know this is the, the promise of, of the Father. And we have the fulfillment of that. So I want you to embrace theology. I want you to embrace the truth of the things you are learning. Um, I know we, there were some things that were said. And if they were not clear, this is when you can ask questions. All right. It, nothing is out of place. Ask any question that you want to ask. I, I really want to address something um, that we mentioned before. And I think Daniel did a good job there. When we talk about venerating Mary, all right, I want to bring some balance here. Um, we need to understand that Mary was handpicked by the Lord for the work that she did, just the same way Paul was handpicked for the Lord, you know, in what he did. And the apostles were chosen. And in a sense, we also are chosen. And it's very important that we put Christ, who is Lord over all, as being the one to whom all glory goes. And it's very, very possible that in our worship of God, we might think we don't have direct access to God. So we want to, you know, appeal to the fact that these special people God has handpicked over history, you know, have this unique access to God. And so there are systems that exist today where people pray through Peter or pray through the saints or pray through Mary. And right now, I would say Mary is a hero of faith. <laughs> She's looking down and cheering us on. She's not asking God for anything on our behalf. All right. The Bible teaches us to pray in the name of Jesus to the Father. And so we have direct access. And so that's what we're trying to say when we were explaining all of that, you know. Um, so I hope no one had any misconceptions there. Now, we're not also saying that... Um, Catholics generally, or Roman Catholics, are worshipping Mary. No. And that's one mistake um, a lot of people make. That's not what we're saying. Um, but there are a lot of things there that need to be understood. Um, we don't want to venerate people over Christ who is deity in himself. All right. Um, I see a hand up, so that might be a question. So, yeah, uh, Florence, go ahead. And Christabel has a question. Let's be fast so we can round up on time. All right, who's going first? Yeah. Um. Hi, guys. Anyway, hi. so um, just to kind of clear the thing, actually, yeah. the reason why I kind of mentioned that wasn't because I, well, I kind of wasn't paying so much attention, but it was as though that he mentioned um, Mary being recognized, but kind of was like a joke. that like He laughed about that. You know, I kind of, I didn't pick up the whole thing you know book i'm not catholic i don't play with i know i have the access to god directly i know that but um 
the reason why I kind of mentioned that is because um, of recent, I kind of had like um, good Christmas, you know, of course, Christ is a reason for the season, right? But I feel like we, um, it's just a little, like a little recognition of Mary. Like he, she was the hero there. I mean, she was scared. I mean, if you kind of, as a woman, if you think about yourself, like you're just pregnant out of nowhere, that's very scary. All right. So um, I just, I think, anyway, let me not go too much in the whole discussion. But the reason why I kind of mentioned that was just, I thought he was kind of making a joke out of it a little bit. I was like, no, it's not joking. Whether he was joking or not, Mary also should be recognized. I don't pray through Mary. I know I have to pray through Christ. But um, just the little, I mean, I didn't pay attention a lot. Like I'm saying, I didn't pay a lot of attention. So I kind of just figured out what he was like, oh, I'm joking. It was too much fine joke, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, she also is part of it. I mean, she lost a child after after all the whole thing that happened. I mean, she went through a lot, you know, having the child. Yeah. And after that, they killed him. And I mean, just as a human being, as a woman right now, it's like, my child, come on now. You know, but like that's yeah. why I kind of mentioned that. I'm not trying to say he said something wrong. I, I wasn't paying attention again. But I kind of had the part of him being like joking or something. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I can I can honest, I can speak for him and tell you he wasn't joking. All right. I, I think at the context that everyone else heard that he was explaining something and then he just laughed. And that was not the only time he laughed during the teaching. So um, Daniel is a generally jovial person. But what I was what I'll do here is I'll try to get this particular recording so you can listen to it in its context so that you know that that's not what he's saying. Of course, we need to honor people, all men. The Bible tells us to honor all people, love all people. And there's a certain respect we have for people who have gone ahead of us and walked in faith. All right. So that's that's how high we should give credit to them. The fact that they're just like us, human beings like us. All right. Who also had to be saved by grace. Mary had to be saved by grace. Mary also received the Holy Spirit, you know, so those are, that's kind of like what we're saying. But thanks for that. Thank you, Florence. And we want to have you here even more. All right. So keep showing up and maybe even ultimately like try to be um, available for the whole time. So you hear everything in its context. Thank you so much. Um, Christabel, you have a question? Um, <clears throat> yeah, good evening. <laughs> hi, hi. Um, okay, so my question is, I just have to go back a little. Um, okay, just like uh, her, my attention was a little bit divided. Like, yeah, so my first question is, so you're saying the Holy Spirit, I heard you say something. Yeah, you're saying the Holy Spirit isn't the acting force of God, because that kind of like is different from what I was taught, like at home, my home church, yeah. So the Holy Spirit isn't the active force of God. And then secondly, you also mentioned that something along the lines of uh, Mary just looking down on us and smiling and all of that. So personally, personally, I think, I am not sure, but I do not imagine um, the people in heaven as having the ability to look down on us. I, I, or, or it's more like a question, but isn't it just, God's um maybe God and the angels who have that um I don't know who right. can look down on us from heaven like and see and monitor us like yeah mm-hmm. so are you saying people in heaven like 
people who have gone to heaven can look down on us and like oh, they can see us, they are observing what we are doing. Like they can just zoom and okay, I want to monitor this particular person. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> that's how it's just going on in my head. Because okay. I don't think they can. Yeah, 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 that's it. All right, so first of all, let me just pray for everyone here. Please, I pray in the name of Jesus that you have full attention in Jesus' name. Because everyone is asking the question, wasn't listening. And I'm like, oh my God, we have to start all over again. All right, so let me clarify a few things. So I, the first, very first thing, no one is, I'm answering from the second question, no one is looking down on us in that light. I just, I'm using the analogy that was painted in Hebrews chapter 12 all right the bible says we have a great cloud of witnesses the word witnesses means people who are in a sense cheering us on read the read the message translation um that's the picture that is painted you know we have a lot of people cheering us on let's go and run this race so it's it's more metaphorical than realistic all right so these people are worshiping the father in heaven all right they've been glorified um and then we are the ones who will meet him in the sky eventually the dead in christ will be raised and all of that so that's not what i was trying to say i was just saying hey the the people who we are trying to many times pray through are not even listening to our prayers <laughs> is the point i'm trying to make um and then the first one um the holy spirit as daniel aptly taught is not a force but a person and that's the mistake a lot of people have made you know, in, in Christianity, thinking that the Holy Spirit is just a force that has no will, no, no emotion, no personality. But the Bible tells us, grieve not the Spirit. How can you grieve something that doesn't have a personality? Or the Holy Spirit speaks, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I'm, I've called them. So there is a personality to the Holy Spirit. So what we are trying to say is that, yes, he's the executor of the will of God. So when we see creation, it's the Holy Spirit bringing that to, to being. When you lay hands on the sick, it's the Holy Spirit through you that's doing that work. It's the power of God through you. But that doesn't eliminate the fact that he's a person. You can wash, you can walk with the Holy Spirit. You can listen to him. He can speak to you. You can have a relationship with God. And it's one of the desires of mine that everyone here has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one here now. God has given us this gift, like Daniel aptly taught, to help us walk in this world that is destined for destruction how are we going to stay sane here how are we going to stay full of hope it's the holy spirit in us doing that work so i hope that answers your questions real quick there's a lot more i could have said but the time is really short and i hope that was good hey there so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment we have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.